My name is Nasser El Mula here alongside Arby Barroso, Cheryl Murray. Yes, we're here. We've been gone, but we are back again for episode 11 of Cannabis Life Radio, and it's going to be a fantastic one. Today, we're talking about the legal weed business is booming. Today, we also have some in-studio guests. We have uh, David Kotler, medical marijuana business lawyer, and he's going to be telling us how to grow your cannabis business. And also, we hopefully will have a call-in from Dr. Uma, and she's going to share with us how to talk to your healthcare provider about cannabis. But before that, Cheryl Arby. How we doing? Why are you Why are you staring at us, man? Has it been that long? Has it been that long for you? I haven't you? seen you. In, it, it has been like a bit. Months. It has been a minute. It's been a minute. It's we missed minute. last week. Um, we had a lot of uh, great events happening last week. Um, RB, I want you to talk about some of the good work. Um, I call it corporate responsibility, but uh, you know we've been caught in many things. Many, many things. things, but it's really the heart of what uh, Green Roads is all about. So it's it was a uh, it was a, a great event. As you guys could see, I'm wearing uh, Jose Belen. Uh, Mission Zero shirt right now and as Cheryl was said I, I typically no you I'm never a- <laughs> you never wear anything other than a Green Road shirt there? no Green Road no I got my Green Road jacket on here but okay. but yeah. I, I gotta represent man I mean it was really important last week for us to be where we were at and um, having so many veterans at the Sky Bridge it's the first inaugural literally the, they turned they shut down the Tampa Bridge the Skyway Bridge which has never been done really um, and uh, the event was 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 special because there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of interest. There was people that were actually in our age group, almost like the the senses of people that are buying our product are really wanting to educate themselves. That thirty five and plus. So it was really good. Uh, we had about twenty people there. We had uh, Mission Zero came out. Jose Belen, his family, beautiful Danielle's daughter, his son, and uh, we had Jason Lee there. We had the youngest contestant, or not contestant, the youngest runner. Uh, that was 13 years old. I hope they're not listening, but the fact you needed to be 16, but we made a mistake and put the wrong number. So instead of putting 13, we put 16. So they allowed him to walk. So they interviewed him uh, on CBS and uh, they were talking. So it was really educational. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it, it was really good to see the turnout. It was, so it, was a mar- it was a marathon for veterans. It was, yeah. I mean, it was spectacular. I think Jonathan, your guys, some of your guys were there. Uh, it started at 4.30 in the morning. They bust everybody to the bridge. It was really cool because you had a helicopter that was flashing down. And Jonathan was wearing a green shirt with our white logo. So it was just popping out as, as the... Standing the, the, out. Standing yeah, out. There you it know? is. Pretty boy, pretty boy Jonathan was standing out for sure. So... So it was really cool to watch that, and then it was a little emotional because you see, you know, they play the national anthem. Then they had, uh, they they started off with, you know, with a gun salute, and it was it was pretty cool to to, to watch that and and see that, and then him participating with Jason Lee and his son and yeah. some of our guys. Uh, we had ten people running or walking um, in the event, and then when we finished, it was everybody got together at the stadium. So it was right there by uh by the double uh, Tampa Double Ray Stadium, the baseball stadium. Yeah, it was right there. So it was, it was a pretty good event. It was pretty. Uh, it was really really nice to meet people and get out there and really educate on on the CBD was, side. What, were there was there a strong presence of um, the cannabis industry there? Again, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them to attend these type of events. Like uh, the other, like our peers in cannabis. The, the uh, we've had holders. good conversations with them. I think they'll be there next year, and I think it's important for for the MMTCs or any other, uh, you know, people that are in the industry or trying to just flourish in this. 
these type of events are extremely important because it is supporting an amazing cause. It is supporting veterans or the Mission Zero cause, which is 22 veterans that commit suicide every day. So these are the things that are important in this industry besides the opiate epidemic and everything else that's causing a lot of death and relations with, with pharma and everything else. So it, it, it was just a really good cause. It was yeah. a really good thing. I you saw the pictures. Some of the newcomers. You got to show some of the newcomers CBD. Which one? Some of the people, how many people out there didn't know about CBD? Oh, until we that had point? the vice mayor putting on pain cream. We had two masseuse out there. It's, everybody bet. was coming back around. We had nice. people buying one day, coming back around the next day, uh, trying our samples, putting the massage. Uh, one story sp uh, particular, they had the gala at night. We had driven back already, but we had some people at the gala, and the vice mayor's wife was there, and she had tried our product. Totally forgot what the name of the company was asking around. Alana sits right next to her. Mm. Says, do you mind if I sit here? She didn't know who she was. And she sits down with her and she's like, oh, who are you? And she goes, oh, I'm, you know, I work for Green Roads. And she's like, that's the company. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean that's the company? And she's like, well, I tried your product and I, I, can't, I can't believe how, you know, how I'm feeling right now. You know, how, do, how do I get it? So Alana just gave her a business card, and it was pretty cool. She said it was eventful for her. So That's awesome. It is That's pretty awesome. cool. It is pretty yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, I, w I wasn't there, but I was in uh, New York. I had an opportunity to have an interview with Joe Bondi. So I was in uh, another podcast show, um, pretty large in the cannabis industry, uh, in the No 420. And uh, it was really interesting. Got to share a lot of, you know, my story. And, and we talked. Oh, and I heard some of your story. Oh, oh. I watched it. And if you haven't seen it, we shared it. We oh, shared it on you. our Facebook page. You can see that interview live on our Facebook page. It's just a couple posts down. But I got to watch it. I got to see Tip some of the things. iceberg stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank you for watching. And everyone who's watched on Cannabis Life Radio, um, it, was, it was a great opportunity so in the note 420 uh, usually Jake Plowden is also joining Joe Bondi Joe Bondi is one of the attorneys on the sessions case so we did get a chance to talk a little bit about um, you know the disappointment uh, but the resilience of uh, the plaintiffs who are in that case so you have uh, Jose Bellin the veteran and um, yeah you have uh, Sebastian Cotier and his his son Jagger um, uh, Marvin Washington, the NFL player. So the number of play Jake Plowden for uh, Cannabis Cultural Association is also a plaintiff on there. So, um, and Alexis Bertel. So the, she's the 12 year old little girl. Uh, so it was really good to have the opportunity to kind of reflect on that. And it was very clear that we're not giving up. We're going to keep uh, moving forward um, as far as legalization, legalizing marijuana. Um, and it wasn't that the um, the outcome was. Uh, it was a disappointment, but it doesn't mean that the judge was saying that it shouldn't be legal. He just said they should try a different route to go through the Department of Justice rather than uh, this Sessions lawsuit. So um, they, they've got their marching orders. Uh, they got back together as a team, and they're going to move forward. I think that's just a lot of hurdles. I mean, the fact is, is that this industry is brand new, and yes. no matter if we've been in it for 10 years or not, it's still so new. Um, they, I think when we have David Kotler on, I think he'll be able to explain a lot of the things that he's seen, been oh, able to go forward. I mean, working with Hoban and of being course. one of the leaders, typically literally the leaders in this industry with, with the attorneys and setting guidelines and going for licensing and stuff and having the experience in this industry. So that, that helps sure. with a lot of hurdles for us new guys or us people getting in the industry. We, you just associate yourself with the right people so you can push forward. I mean, because I think the opportunities are endless. 
Absolutely. I yeah. couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So <laughs> Joe Bundy is one of the attorneys. He is. He is one on of the On the Sessions case. Absolutely. And for our viewers who don't know, we had Jose Belin, the shirt that Arby's referencing, Jose Belin. Uh, you know, these are the, this group of people that are, that are suing Jeff Sessions. And that case was recently dismissed. What are the yes. next steps? What the next steps, the judge is recommending they go through the Department of Justice next. So um, they, the attorneys are coming up with their strategy. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. What would happen after that, Cheryl? Like they would, since that was, how, take us by what it's the next step would starting, be. It's, uh, well, I don't, I don't know what the next steps will be. Um, so we'll have ask uh, David Cutler. Um, I'm he not, gives you he, that face. He He's like, oh, face don't ask like, me. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> well, the good news is we're going to have Joe Bondi on. So I, I don't want to... Um, uh, we're gonna have him on. How did Joe feel about that? I mean, how I mean, did Joe I think Bondi he was—he was a little gutted. He was, uh, you know, but I—I I encouraged him. I said, just the fact that we got this far, um, just the fact that we had the opportunity to have oral arguments, just the fact that we had on the courtroom steps a, a press conference, um, and and we got national um, headlines and um, national media out there. That's, awesome. uh, that's a huge victory for the industry. Um, the language used in that's on record um, in the oral arguments or the the judges questioning and um, the judge. Saying, stating that well, based on these claim, plaintiffs, it's clear that it, there are medicinal uses. That's a huge victory. That was huge. I remember when you called me and you told me about that. Yes. That's huge for, for their judge to say something like that. Absolutely. We had our Jeff Jeff Tate out there. We were completely supportive. The industry came out. Um, the designation of the Green Heart Movement Day. So forever, you know, we have Valentine's Day, but it, it takes on a different connotation for our industry, and we will celebrate every nice. single year the first time that we've had the opportunity to have oral arguments in that type of setting so um, it was it was great and um, the day after of course we mentioned previously that you know in San Francisco there was a, a case of hemp industries versus the DEA um, what happened and, there and you, I know you were present on that one too so I, you were all over the yes, place yes I was all over, I was present there and and um, it was uh, fascinating and I think the the Law, the, my biggest takeaway was the fact that the DEA is on record. You can access the YouTube video, watch the actual proceedings. Um, my biggest takeaway was that the DEA said, oh, well, you know, it's not our intention to make it illegal. Um, if, the, if anyone has an issue with it, they can just challenge it. So Basically shoot and ask saying, questions later. Yeah, exactly. And just saying that, you know, hemp and CBD is legal in the DEA's mind. Is They're like, I don't understand what this fuss is about. All we're doing is creating a code. Well, no. You're costing people a lot of money for them, know to, that. For, for them to combat these seizures and, and, and some uh, unfortunate arrests related to the, the misunderstanding and the lack of clarity on the DEA's website with regards to um, hemp and CBD. Can we get that video back up? I just want to make sure that, they, that we have somewhere where they could actually watch that. Or, or hear the yeah, proceedings let's, on let's that. Yeah, let's put a link to the, the YouTube video because I think it's really good stuff. I, 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 I encourage, you know, other attorneys I've spoken to over the past couple weeks, I said, watch that video. You'll really understand what the DEA's posture is. And um, it's not what people think it is by reading their website. Absolutely not. We know we deal with that every day. And you guys went to also, so just always traveling. Our updates yes. is traveling, and we, we like to we let like the to viewers know like that you guys are traveling. Together. Tell me, tell me. Uh, They're I serving us drinks. Cheryl's having yes. people coming up to me, asking me I questions. Am, having, oh I'm my, like, I don't even know what, I've got the hoodie on, I'm all over the place. Isn't that amazing? So when people find out what we do, 
they come over and they're like, thank you so much. So our flight attendants, they're like, hey, what? Because again, when we'll have a flight attendant <laughs> one uh, like the night before, and then we're on back on the plane the next day or the in the morning, and then we're and on the, the same plane, flight same, same, same flight attendant. So they're like, what do you do? Why are you are you back on this plane? And I'm like, oh well, I'm an agricultural and cannabis attorney, and uh, this is Arby Barroso. He's actually the founder of Green Roads, one of the largest CBD com- companies. Now I need to change that to the number one uh, <laughs> CBD, CBD company, company. Uh, in the country. Um, and, and they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. We love CBD. Um, we were at the bar. Yeah. Um, well, let's get it on the plane. It was crazy. Literally, on. I would have selling on the plane. I'm telling you, I had my glasses on and I had I was having a, uh, I don't drink much. You're trying you to know? be incognito. I'm trying to be incognito. I have a drink. So I had one drink before we fly off. So I have one. And every time I put my head up, the drink was full. So by yeah. the time on an hour and a half flight, I had like eight drinks. So <laughs> I no, got, I, and I don't drink, so I got home and I just passed out. But he kept on putting them drinks. He would just fill them up. Now, as soon as we can replace that filling up of with a drink CBD, with some beautiful CBD. green road we'll world get CBD, yeah. then I we're in we'll business. Get we're so getting there. You guys were flying to Nebraska. What was yes. happening in Nebraska? Yeah, Nebraska, we have, we have a client who unfortunately got caught up in the crosshairs of the confusion surrounding the DEA's um, guidance on their website. Um, and um, wonderful family, wonderful woman, family-owned business. Um, and they, Non-criminal record, no, by, no by the criminal way. No-criminal record, uh, law-abiding citizen, uh, basically a grocery-slash-vape-shop environment with um, some of CBD she researched thoroughly before she even stocked CBD in her in her uh, premises and chose Green Road. So she only sells our product. Okay. So... Um, at the end of the day, they um, there there was a sting operation. Uh, a two months, by the way. <laughs> so she so she is she owns a convenience store, a, a health food store in yeah. Nebraska. She's yeah. selling CBD products, yep. which most of these openly. Sh- I mean, oh, advertising it on I, the window. Every everywhere. store I go to is selling CBD products. She's selling the good stuff. She's right. selling Green Roads yes. CBD products. Mm-hmm. And so what happens? And then um, there was an arrest, and um, we're not going to go into too much detail, but, um, you know, there was arrest arrest related uh, to that, and we've spoken briefly about it before. She was in the, in jail 18 hours, again, law-abiding citizen, and then other people were caught up in it with conspiracy charges. It was absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And then we wanted to show our support. So Arby felt um, really strongly, and the other owners, Laura, yep. Jimmy, Danny, all stand behind um, this cause, that we need to be there alongside with her, just to make sure she knows she's supported, that we're going to take care of her as far as her legal defense, and that we stand by our product, we stand by the legality of it, we've um, done the research, we have our attorneys, and what they didn't expect was there to four be attorneys. Four, attorney, <laughs> four, four attorneys, four attorneys um, sitting there, um, you know, presenting based on the various uh, plaintiffs and uh, defendants, and, and it was, you know, it was educational. I think absolutely. Again, at the end of the day, the judge did a great job as far as you know, questioning and and pres- presiding over uh, the proceedings. And um, we're we're hopeful. We're waiting for the actual outcome, but it was very clear that it was just, you know. Uh, misunderstanding yeah, and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I don't want to be I don't want to go to the extreme of saying abusive uh, power or exceeding authority but I would say that I think it would be more uneducated it yes, probably could have been handled of, differently definitely it, it probably could have been handled they could have easily gone to the store it was wide open communicated with the clerk that yeah. was behind and said by the way this may be illegal what you're selling at this present. Can you take it off? That's happened in certain counties. And we've gone, sent them paperwork, done what we've done, and then they've allowed them to right. put it back on the shelf. 
um, they didn't go in that direction here. Mm. Um, they literally treated it as a sting operation. And when they asked the officer, and again, it's, it has nothing to do with, in particular with law enforcement. It just I think there's more of an educational barrier yes. there that they, they don't understand. So when something is just barked out, they follow. I mean, that that's their job. They get paid to do a certain job. And I think it's not really their fault. I think it's point of education. So even when we were leaving the courtroom, um, I spoke to the prosecutor and to the assistant prosecutor, and he was talking about how this could benefit certain attorneys. And I, and he's like, well, also, you know, you guys. And I'm like, really, it's not about the money. It's about the education. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of looked at me yeah. like dumbfounded. I'm like, it's not about the money. It's about getting educated yeah. in this industry. And we have to get rid of that that stigma, that idea that it really is all it's all about cannabis is all about money um, you know what he what he said was you know oh we're all trying to make a buck aren't we and I you know it's like no he said, he said that <laughs> we're all trying to make a buck aren't we well, it's it like just, no Arby was clear he's like no this is about education it's this because is about it's actually people. it's because it's actually making money that people assume that everyone's out to try to make money but it's be, yeah. it's making money because it's, it's we've been doing it right for a long time because it's been done right and, and people are being affected by it. people like Jose Belen people like the veterans that you met at the Skyway event people like these other uh, the other um, plaintiffs for sure. the Jeff Sessions case I mean right. these people are being affected by it and so in a positive way and that's why it's making money I think listen like. as long as you're doing the right thing in this industry we talk to a lot of people David will be on Holbin get, wrote us our first license in 2008 2009 uh, when we were in Colorado so it's the people that continue to stay in the same, you know, they continue to do what they're doing. This is what they've been doing for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, Chloe Villano is another one that I've, I've spoken to. She's been doing the same thing over and over and over again. So once you build that consistency, it's not about if you're making money, God bless, you're making it. You know, that's, that's what you know, people get in this industry to do the right thing and then make money. You got to pay your bills. That's just the facts. But, but people get in this for the wrong reason. When the first person that comes up to you and says, well, how much money can we make? You don't want to talk to them yep. because as soon as a disappointment comes, and we all know in this room mm-hmm. that there's a lot of disappointment and a lot of hurdles that we need to cross, as soon as that comes up, they're out. Yeah, They're gone because they don't know how to deal with that. So we've understood that. We've been part of legislation in other states. We're trying to push this movement forward here in Florida. That's the whole plant. That's not CBD. That's a starter. That's a vitamin. That's a nutrition. The cannabis is a huge, huge outlet for people that are addicted to many different drugs. I mean, we've had it on Dr. Oz came out, and he said, you know, this is an out drug. Dr. Uma, which hopefully we'll have on this show, that's, this is an out drug. We don't have any deaths associated with cannabis. Yeah. That's true, in fact. Yep. We got deaths associated with aspirin. We have deaths with all different types of drugs. The fact is, is that there's no proof, zero deaths, of cannabis, yeah, and Dr. Uma's message is clear. It is an exit drug. Um, you know, she was the first one I heard uh, to say that it's an exit drug, and it's true. A lot of exit drug off illness, exit drug off uh, addiction issues. I'm going to use an example, and I don't think she would mind me mentioning her. I don't usually call out, um, uh, you know, our clients, but I, I happened to walk into the warehouse. Um, maybe it was earlier this week or last week. And um, I saw Mama Days. Yeah. I love Mama Days. I love Days. Shout um, out to Mama Days. Yes. For sure. Let me tell you something. She looks so Amazing. Good. Yeah, I told you. She that. looks so good. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh. I was like, you found the fountain of youth. Like the night and day between when she was first, you know, uh, one of the sponsored yep. um, patients that we have. And you have a close relationship with um, the family. Um, and it was just amazing. It was like, I see a lot of patients that use our, our um, product and, uh, and the results, but it was 
astounding yeah, it's, just to it's, see it's the difference cool and I'm so happy for wow. that. Wow. Uh, you know what? I think that our viewers are going to be really interested. I, you know, we know it's not all about money, but I want to know how much money it's actually making. How much money That's is in the cannabis question. space? That's a great so question. Can you guess how much I know money how much. the cannabis I think you gave me the answer, though, in 2017? Don't tell them. Audience Cannabis Life Radio, can you guess how much money the cannabis industry earned in 2017? Go ahead and take a look for it. Find the answer. We're going to give you the answer after this commercial break. And when we return, we're also going to have David Kotler come and give us some education about some of the legalities and how to start your own cannabis business. Uh, so stay tuned, and we will be right back after this commercial break. I can hear you now. Welcome back to Cannabis Life Radio. As we got people crawling on the floor to get you a longer mic. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> this we, is where this is where we could always go back before we get into DJ Re Studios to like really look back and kind of see behind every, the, scenes, the behind the scenes, the behind stuff. the scenes of this our. This is going to be great. The Guys, bloopers for sure. Cannabis Life Radio. We, we we you may not know this because you don't see it. You don't see it, but our our team in the background, man, is just unbelievable. I'm they gonna, are, I'm gonna take are, a. They are crawling. <laughs> they are running around. Back here, this you can't is great. See him. You this can't see great. him, but I'm letting you know what you could see if you were over here. I'm gonna so. just take a picture of this. <laughs> um, we are back, Cannabis Life Radio. Before we left for the break, we asked, Can you guess how much money the cannabis industry earned in 2017? Can you guess how much money the cannabis industry earned in 2017? The choices, David. Are you ready? By the way, we also have David is in studio as our guest. So David's going to try to answer this one. Can you guess how much money the cannabis industry earned in 2017? $900 dollars $9 or $9 in 2017? What do we think it is? What do we think it is? I got Ron Fraser saying twenty three billion. Who do we got? We got we got a couple other people here announcing they're not hitting the numbers. David, what do you think? It's not fair because I heard the answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell it if you tell it. Tell no, them. they're gonna announce it right here. Oh. We're gonna give them the answer. The answer is Where's that slide? <laughs> drum roll, drum roll, anticipation. <gasps> Boom. $9 billion in 2017. Uh, so the legal weed business is booming. Uh, this was a study done by BDS Analytics, uh, and it was a report from CNN that the cannabis industry uh, has earned $9 billion in sales in 2017. So although it's not only about money, it is generating a lot of money. And, uh, and it estimates that the national marijuana sales will rise to $11 billion in 2018 I think they're and short. to 21 no, billion short, yeah. in 2021 what do we think if we're we get the it? laws right if short. we I think by the end of this and and I'll we'll put it up to David I think we're going to be past close to 40 states before the end of 2018 I think we'll be somewhere around 14 to 15 billion this year uh, because we did go wreck on a couple other states California's coming live now also um, there's a lot of other things that are going on so I think that I think the short I think it's 14 to 15 billion for, for 2018 and I think the CBD industry they've called 2.2 billion this year if the laws are right if, if the, the laws but are right I think right. the laws are going to go in that direction we can't go backwards the yeah. fact is is that when we were in the industry there was eight states we're at 29 states give or take 
um, there will be laws implementing. Now, obviously, there's a lot of roadblocks in the middle because you have a lot of pharmas in it. I mean, if you look at the five people lobbying or four, you got private prisons, you got alcohol, um, you have um, police uh, associations, other ones that are, are lobbying against cannabis. Um, but when if you go to a state, uh, I think it's Nevada or Vegas or, or Canada, where they actually want to make the alcohol companies regulate you know, the cannabis industry. That's what we're not going to stand for. Mm. That's where it shouldn't fall in, into those hands because we've seen what they've been able to do with it before. We're not going to continue to make these people richer and richer. And the fact is, is that when you don't know how to grow this plant, you're not going to get anywhere. So if you don't understand how to, how to produce this plant, market this plant, get behind the scenes in this plant, be part of the community, you could have all the money in the world. If you don't have the community support, you're dead in the water. That's and my there, opinion. There, there's another interesting stat that came out for Nevada, $30 million in six months from the legal um, marijuana industry in, in the state of Nevada. Yeah, so yeah, that's I saw huge. that. I saw that. Thirty huge. million in six that's months. Huge. I mean, let's wipe out homelessness. Why don't we? Why don't let's make sure all the kids have the best books and um, you know technology in their schools. Well, well, someone that's helping uh, educate people about the laws of cannabis yep. mm-hmm. here is David. We've got yes. David in studio. David, friends of Cannabis to Life show. Radio and Green Rose, David Kotler. Uh, David has formed a practice, uh, medical marijuana business law in. The state of Florida and so David we'd love to hear more about your practice some of the things that you're doing and uh, trying to educate our, our audience about some of the legalities uh, and even equity programs for cannabis sure I think uh, my practice in this space started it's about four and a half years ago um, and, and you know it's been a progression frankly it, it really started local to Florida servicing uh, folks that were looking to get into to the uh, application process in November of 2014 and that uh, morphed a little bit into representing some of the compassionate use applicants um, which were at the time those those nurseries those 30-year nurseries um, probably for me the best thing that happened is unfortunately not for the the patients in Florida is when things didn't pass in 2014 I think a lot of lawyers went back to their day jobs yeah, and you know back to PI or criminal defense and I stayed with it and was lucky enough to, to do some work with some larger companies in California and, and some other places that that had existing licenses and, and so you know my practice is kind of crossed the spectrum now from from doing um, you know cross-border licensing maybe and, and some day-to-day business type stuff um, helping folks get started and, and identify what was what they needed to do and into more probably you know, business planning um, and, and pre-licensing work. And, and so I've been lucky enough to kind of continue to do some of the, the day-to-day legal practice, but but have now gained experience um, in a number of different markets, probably on larger projects. So taking a business start to finish and, and especially in regulated markets. And so now I've you know, been lucky to have participated um, in, in those projects in uh, in, in California, um, licensing Sacramento, most recently in Oakland, which will dovetail into the equity nice. program yes, we're going to talk yes, about. Yes, uh, Michigan, Massachusetts, uh, working on Connecticut, Pennsylvania a little bit, but we stopped short. Mm-hmm. Um, D.C. stopped short. Um, the, in this industry, and what do you mean by stop short? So people property because we understand all, that. I mean, so, yeah, it's all about property. So, okay. so in most markets, short of Maryland, frankly, most recently. Um, if looking to get a license, it's, it's all about property. Um, you don't have property, you're, you're not 
meeting probably one of the main criteria for a license. That's true in Florida right. in this next round of licenses too. I mean, property is king in the and cannabis And property, space. you mean by let's describe that to the to properly. To so properly zoned property. Okay. Um, property property that's compliant with a, if you're not buying it with a right. landlord that's willing to rent to a plant touching business okay. in some fashion. And possibly a mortgage. And ultimately, company. the third step would be if they don't uh, have it self owned, um, getting getting the okay from the whoever the mortgage basically. holder is. So that, that um, takes it to the steps on the verticals. We had to do the same thing. So if you're doing it at a, at a shopping center, you got to go through and make sure that the landlord's okay with it, that everybody's okay with it. Even the tenants in that that shopping center have to be okay with you moving in. And it sounds like, because it's still all so new, you're, it sounds like when you're developing these businesses, you're kind of setting the standard for how these businesses are going to get all their licenses down. Well, get, I was gonna, just going to interject, because I think David's being extremely humble with his <laughs> introduction of himself and what he does. I mean, he, he set the bar. He set the bar very hard, um, high for this state and multiple states as a consultant. Um, and he's been involved across the nation. He's been involved with the largest, um, most known cannabis firm, Hoban Law Firm, um, for years. So um, he that's a really good question. He has really set the bar high and, and set the standard. And um, those of us who are attorneys, we look to, you know, the Kotlers and the, um, and the industry as far as how do we move forward. And he's always available um, for questions and, and, and at his speaking engagements, extremely approachable and accessible. So I thank you for that because I do look to you and your work as you. to how to approach my application. Thank you. The checks in the mail. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's I, think I think we've done that already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that is and that is heartfelt. It yeah. is. It is. You. It, you, you, you. We were talking earlier. I mean, that is so important to have somebody like yourself leading that or being like even when there is events to have being able to engage with other people and explain to them these are the processes. Right. We understand some of the process. We've been through some of the process, um, and it is is making sure that all these you have your, all your checks on there. And everything is checked before you move forward and spend a couple hundred thousand dollars um, going into what we share when I called you last night. Yep. What passed now in Florida? What didn't pass? Oh, yes, in the repeal of the application. So, so the repeal. So, what happens there? The people in Florida that spent money, put money for an application, 60000 plus you know, attorney fees, everything else that they're doing. What happens there now? I, I personally think, well, anybody that's licensed at this point that, that would have come under the Compassionate Use Act. Um, who are grandfathered, so to speak, now as right. what we call MMTCs, the five runner ups, runners up to the Compassionate Use Act, which now took five of the ten licenses that would have gone out, you know, by October third, theoretically. Last We're talking year. about Florida, correct? Florida. We're talking about Florida. Um, it, I've heard, and, and frankly, I see it on Facebook about "quote unquote" this repeal. I, I'm not convinced it's a complete repeal. I think it's it's. The department responding to the JPAC comments. So, yep. so JPAC and is joint administrative. Uh, what she said. Who <laughs> <laughs> in February? I love having, I'm facing two attorneys. Yeah, Who <laughs> in February sent a letter to the department saying, "Look, here's the issues we have. You need to clean these up." And so, I think I think what we're going to see is some tweaking of the application. Gotcha. Right. Um, uh, so, and look, I've got clients that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Of course. You know, been really aggressive, bought property. Um, prob probably Went into the, the seven steps. figures. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the planning based on what was put out to make an application. Um, so I don't think that we're going to see a wholesale repeal of that. I mean, look, if, if there were going to be the biggest challenge to this program, and, and it's really no one's paying attention to it, or probably the second Joe Redner lawsuit, which is the one that says it's a registration process 
versus a licensing process and a similar lawsuit and I forget the fellow's name. No, um, that, from Bill Nur- Bill's Nurseries, no? Um, no, it was, it was one of the, the patient advocacy groups. Again, similar challenge. It's a registration process, okay. not a licensing process. I personally think, based on the, the amendment, um, that those probably have the, the greatest chance of blowing the system up. Than, than anything else that's been filed. Wow. Interesting. Um, and, and what do you I don't think, think would happen if, if, if that moves? Because some of these lawsuits were flower and other things. What do you think that's going to go? Because this industry, honestly, will, will stay. I've seen, I think, the black market here after we passed the amendments bigger than it was before we passed it, before we made Florida legal um, and, and, and for supposedly legal uh, for cannabis. Where do, where do you think we're going to go with this? I mean, without flower, I don't think the patient base is going to grow enough. Yeah, um, look, it's 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 all about access and price. Yeah, and if you give people access and price, the black market's going to su- somewhat go away. They, it does suffer, absolutely, um, it does. And, and so, until we get into our heads that that those things don't happen from setting up a regulated market that's you know kind of compliant, yet gives people access and pricing, which happens through a free market. Yep. Um, there's some pushback on the free market. I mean, look what's happening in Oregon and 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 Washington. So you have to put that in check to some well, point. Let's, let's when you say look what's happening in Oregon, are you referring to the price, the the significant drop in the price of um, bud and, yes, and things like that? Yes. And and the if that happens in a regulated market where the cost of entry is so high, right? Um, you're going to have people losing their shirt, and it's going to be the pushback in this yeah. space. So there, there's a delicate balance. I mean, it, it's got to happen. Kind of methodically, um, but but access and price, and and we're not there in Florida. And until we do that, whether it's a greater vertical market or whether it's opening up from a horizontal market, and, and I can I guess explain for the listeners the difference: vertical market being one where where a license holder must produce literally from seed to sale, from the first seed that goes in the ground all the way to the retail product. They got to do it all. They got to do it all. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and on a certain scale, that is. You can't barely touch. Um, it's a seven-figure, eight-figure yeah. type of scale oh, yeah. um, versus Colorado, which at, at its inception was vertical. But but you could do that business for 150 grand because yeah. you're in you know 2,500 square foot of cultivation, and you have a nice you know thousand foot retail shop that you're not having to really you know build out to to the 150 thousand dollars. And so that was doable. But what we've set up here vertically, which is seed to sale versus when I say horizontal. Um, separate licenses. So we look at, uh, you could have a separate cultivation license. You could have a separate processing license. You could have a distributor's license, theoretically, depending on the jurisdiction. You could have a... You don't uh, have to be the do-it-all. You don't have to be yeah, the do-it-all. You pay attention to So right now in Florida, it sounds like if you want to be, if you want to hold a license to sell marijuana, you've got to be the do-it-all. You've got to be able to do well, it vertical. You have to be able to afford the, 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 to be able yeah. to do it all and and maintain it for a period of a, at a minimum two years, so it's it's it's, it's uh, it cheap. eliminates it's a lot number it eliminates of people. everyone that the, the, the normal person that Regular wants to just go and start up a business in the cannabis space. Right. He can't do don't it. Have, because don't have a chance. Not not hand, not touching the plant. Don't have a chance. And I spend somebody calls me. I spend the first five minutes trying to talk them out of it. It's not the place. Right. Go to Mission. I'll get you a license. Yeah, yeah. right. Don't, we you know. actually had this conversation when when we first you know started talking a couple of years ago. We didn't want to get into it in Florida because we understand the hurdles that are coming. Yeah, and it's not—it's not—it's a very expensive process to touch plant and actually go in that vertical—that vertical leap. We did it in Colorado, right? And with an eight percent chance of getting a license. Yeah. So you know, now you're going to spend 
the whatever money. the number is to get ready for an application. Let's say you drop the sixty grand on the app, and let's assume they don't change it, and you're not getting it, and they're probably going to make a portion of that refundable to be in line with a lot of other places. But you pay all that money. Well, hold, hold on, gets, David. Before yep. you even tell us the entire process, even before that, you had said that they were going to reward ten licenses in October. How many did they actually give out? They did five of the ten. Okay, so to start, they were going to give out ten. They only give out five. So now your your chances are cut in half right now to and start. And none to new applicants. Those five were for Those legacy. Were leg okay. Well, so right, they, they were right. That's correct. So that leaves five. Then you had four when they put down the initial rules, the, uh, the proposed rules. Four that were contingent on a hundred thousand patients being registered. We're getting there. So in okay. reality. You're shooting for, I'm going to say, nine licenses, one of which on some level is going to a, an African-American farmer. So if you're not an African-American farmer, put aside whether you belong to the, to the, you know, the, the Black Farmers the Black Farmer Association, Association, right, you're really looking at eight licenses. Okay, for so those there's eight, eight licenses, licenses available. Now on what the is, next round of licenses. On the next round of licenses. So at the end of the day, you got an eight, 78% chance. I can't add it with the law school for that reason. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, agreed, there's probably... I get my guy Jeff for the, for the numbers. I get my guy Jeff for it. <laughs> right, that, literally right. slim it, to none. You know, if there's 130 applicants for that, as good as you are, maybe cut off the top 50 and a bunch of people just have some money but haven't been able to put together something competitive. You know, look, those aren't great odds. And you can spend the same money, go elsewhere, and... and in, a, in a, a rolling market where it's not merit-based, i.e. Michigan or Massachusetts, yeah. you could spend that same money and you can have an operational business. Okay. California so for important. that matter. So yeah. now you've got, you've got, you've got limited, limited license available, very specific criteria available, then get into the, 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 the comp how much you're going to spend trying to start this mm -hmm. up. Now it's 60000 for the red, for what were the that's numbers? Just, just that's just, just the, the right to application Woo! check. Yeah. Then you got to hire somebody like David, something like somebody like Cheryl, hire a firm to go through that whole process, make sure you have all the requirements, go through everything, and then you have another 70 hundred people behind you trying to do the same thing yeah so i mean it's really who you know what you know and you know even if you have the best team possible your odds are slim to none to uh, to go full vertical here in florida it's an unfortunate reality and it, it look it needs to change um it, it is what it is for the time being it's why it's forced you know, certain of us to have to do projects in other places. And so how does this compare to the other places that you work at? So like, for example, Oakland, like we were speaking about. Yeah, Oakland's interesting. I mean, it can probably dovetails yeah. into the equity program, which which has kind of taken off a little bit. And I can share some stories about that. So so Oakland had um, what they call an equity uh, applicant or equity license set aside. So they took four licenses and essentially said, we are going to set aside four licenses for individuals uh, who who make 80% of the Oakland median mm -hmm. uh, income, number one, and then either qualify as either a uh, an individual who's had a previous possession uh, for cannabis or cannabis-related charge or crime that they were convicted of, or lived in a police beat that was traditionally disadvantaged or had a higher arrest rate or something to that effect. And so, so what they did is um, they... They, 32 applicants or so, they, the application process was kind of uh, mellowed out a little bit um, so that you can answer it as a real person versus somebody that puts lipstick on a pig and writes all this flowery language, <laughs> you know? And, and so if you got through that threshold, um, then they went to lottery um, and, and they awarded these four licenses by lottery. And it, at from a, an inception standpoint, it's a great idea. I love it. I mean, and for me, 
you know, look, I, I was here in Dade County. I was a prosecutor. I oversaw all of the misdemeanor county court crimes that were prosecuted. So I was a guy that oversaw 32 prosecutors, people in jail, potentially, probably not, but but for misdemeanor possession of cannabis or, try, you know, and at my point, try trafficking. So for me to come kind of full circle to work with a guy that, that had been in the shoes of the on the other you, side yeah. of the podium for me yeah. and to help him a little bit, that was pretty cool. Um, I, and I think that's that, so important in the industry to have. I mean, we've had uh, judges, police officers, yep. attorneys that have kind of gone in and seen the other side before and they were prosecuted before. I think that's huge. And, and I think that's got to be prideful, too, for both sides absolutely. to know that we're actually working together to get this thing pass, pushed forward. And minorities for medical marijuana, um, women above ground, um, were intricately involved in, in that equity program uh, process and, and actually doing the footwork to work with the, the council people in Oakland to, to make sure that program is available. The intent is to, um, you know, right the people, uh, right the wrongs for the people who were uh, victims of the war on drugs in that particular area. I'd like to see similar um, programs rolling out all across the country. Um, for mm. I know, I know there may be. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are excluded from the opportunity. Um, in the state of Florida, there is not one African-American license holder at this point, not one. Well, the, um, the industry elect, itself is under 1%. Uh, the industry of uh, is under 1% exactly, Arby. So, you know, there is that need. It may not be perfect, especially as a first attempt, but they do need to do something about people, the, the mass incarceration issue, the families that had to survive without brothers, fathers, um, you know, mothers, uh, sisters, all these people missing, like literally taken out of family environments, children grow growing out up without guidance, um, being forced to be um, watched or dropped off at random places that weren't safe. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of collateral damage to that, and there needs to be some type of uh, remedy, reparation. So I think this is um, I think this industry could do that. So intent. I think, go, well, so go ahead. Are you going to commercial break? No, no. Oh, I was going to We are not going to commercial break, Cannabis Life Radio. We're staying right here. I was going to give you a hook to come back on. I mean, oh, so, so let's so give so him a hook. Let's go, to, let's go to a hook. Go ahead. I, I said it's good. It's inception. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why it sucks. In, 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 and true. Right, as it plays out. Out and why it, it doesn't do what they think it's going to so do. So let's go to commercial break. We'll come back with the answer after 30 break. seconds. We will be back after this commercial break. Stay tuned. I got live, hey, I got uh, live video interrupted. Broadcast has been paused. Should resume shortly. Did you see that? Hot mic. Hot mic. Welcome back. To Cannabis Life Radio. My name's Nasser El Mula alongside Arby Barroso, Cheryl Murray Powell. And if you have not been with us, we have David Kotler, medical marijuana business lawyer. This guy has a round of knowledge about how you can be involved in the cannabis industry, the legalities of it. And what we were discussing was the differences between being able to acquire a license to sell marijuana in Florida. Call it cannabis, versus man. Medical, medical cannabis. <laughs> medical cannabis. Medical cannabis. Medical There's a phrase for that reason because when you say the phrase, that's how they passed it through. They like Medical they like cannabis. Because when you go to somebody say marijuana, we, they hate the M they, word. I hate, I, I dislike it. I don't like using the word hate. That's too, too vulgar, too strong. But use medical cannabis. Medical cannabis. Even I think even our Facebook viewers... Are, are count calling you out on that. Are they? Absolutely. Oh, I want them. I yeah, want them. Yeah. Bring them to me. <laughs> I, 
Uh, and and David David was going to start was going to explain to us uh, how Oakland's how uh, how Oakland's positioned and why it's not beneficial how they're positioning it. Well, so here's how it plays out: guy gets his license, gal gets their license, and now they've got a license. Or in Oakland's case, they have 90 days to secure property. Okay, and the way Oakland had had intended to set it up was, as Cheryl knows. Um, they could, one of the equity applicants could get free rent from somebody that was making an application as quote-unquote a general applicant. So they set up, so hey, you know what, you're not going to have the money to start. You have the ability to go one of these other general applicants who can provide you free rent for a period of time. And we'll have a loan available at 0% interest. And, and everybody kind of went in with that belief. And better yet, we have two consultants, I don't want to be careful calling anybody out, but um, there's two consultants that we have available to help you from the San Francisco area. They're business, you know, professionals, et cetera. So now the applicant has their, their 90-day window, but they didn't have the wherewithal to do a business plan. Maybe they didn't do pro formas. And frankly, they don't have the money necessary if they can't get one of those, and I haven't seen any of them, one of those free rents from the other applicants. Oakland's not the easiest place to find properly no, zoned retail space, not. okay? And... Unlike, or maybe like, some other regulated markets, you know, property owners, they want big, you know, the three to four the times dollar, or, you know, right, they're doing three to four times what normal retail would be. And so what I think it has the potential to do is force those equity winners to basically go back right to playing with the man, you know, to I, go I, to I was a about landlord to say that, who's yeah. going to say, hey, look, I'll let you come and I'll even give you a loan at 23% interest. Or better yet, you really don't know how to run a business. I'll do a management fee, and I'll take care of some of the back office stuff for five, six percent of your gross. And so, or better yet, hey man, you got a license? I know you have to have fifty percent license. I'll take the other fifty, and I'll do everything. You just sit back. And and so, I think it it really sets mm. it up for the people that were disadvantaged to begin with to keep them at a disadvantage, just to be taken advantage of again. And yeah, you know what? I don't even think that's so different from what's happening here with um, black business people, black farmers here. Um, you know, people are in Florida being approached. Oh, I want you to be the left face. and right. I want you to be the face as a black person. Yeah. I want you to be the face of my application. And the same thing's happening here. And um, fortunately, you know, people can come to Minorities for Medical Marijuana. And again, Minorities for Medical Marijuana. I know Roz was involved with a few of those applicants, and that were successful. Um, I'm not going to say a few, but more than one, I think, that was successful and, and guided them to make sure that they didn't have those pitfalls because they could have the guidance of someone with experience with writing the business plan, understanding profile performers and understanding what's a um, a fair percentage for whatever your what in kind benefit that you're getting so we've tried to put the word out as much as possible specifically in Oakland um, also in Florida as far as you know we don't you know just everything isn't as it seems and if someone says we want you to be part of our your, our applicant because we need that person of color uh, we need that veteran we need that disabled person we need that woman um, we um, we've been trying to step in and guide them along the way. So that's really it's, the function it's, But it's so tough being in that position, though, because the fact is, that David, you're right. I mean, you're literally putting it right back where you put the pressure. And having this type of business, if you're not, if you're a grower, you're not a business owner. 
I'm sorry. It's just like yeah. having a doctor of you know or anything like that, a profession, that type of profession. You if you're a grower, they want to concentrate on growing. They don't right. want to do anything else. This is what they do. This is their profession. So you have to build that team no matter what. So then when you're building that team, you also have to worry about having to go to the landlord, having yeah. to get that equity, having to have all these things in place and what they're gonna do is just continue to tighten that screw if you don't have the right product. Yeah. I've always said it you don't have to be first in this industry. Right. You don't have you just have to be an evolving uh, entrepreneur or thinker in this industry to move forward because you come out with the best product I don't care if you've been in business for five years people are gonna go to that best product right. you know in any part of in any industry really at the end so you don't have to be first it's being patient and being able to get it done right with the right partners so I think that's where Oakland needs to be careful on who they yeah. associate with or who their equity partner is well and and, and we were talking a little bit I was in, in Holyoke Massachusetts like three weeks ago and we, we sat through it was brutal three hours of like a commission meeting and, and one of the commissioners who is in a particular ward um, where we're, we're looking at a building um, it's a disadvantaged ward and, and he had proposed to go to committee and a Oakland type of equity program um, and we were talking earlier I think before we started that you know it's important for legislators and policymakers to think about where is this program going to be six months from now? You know, now somebody's operational. Does what we're doing on the front end of this actually work? Yeah. You know, if, if Florida had done the same thing and thought through, you know, they put in the, like, for, just for instance, I don't want to come back to Florida per se, but, you know, you have to be a five-year registered business right. in Florida to make application. Well, that, that's stupid. You know, that doesn't accomplish anything. All we're going to do is I'm going to find you a five-year shell, <laughs> and we're going to, you know, buy all the shares. Now you're a five-year registered yeah, there business. you're done. And, and so... If the intent is really to make it Florida-centric, think through different ways to make that work. And, and, and that's what we have a failure to do in so many of these places from a legislative or policymaking standpoint. What do you um, think about uh, having to be a Floridian living here, the whole, just like Colorado does, where you have to have a residency for two years to actually you know, have a dispensary or have a grow or go in that direction? Do you agree on something like that? I do if you set it up in a way where you are able to tap into the folks that have that have the industry knowledge and have done it before. Or, or I mean if you or I mean on the cultivation side acknowledge that you're going to have black market people involved, you know, coming switching over involved, which isn't a bad thing it's per se. Thing. No, absolutely. Um, not. It, it bring them into the daylight, but, but you can't have it both ways. And so if you're going to say, "Hey, you have to have the the technical and technological ability to either process, cultivate or retail," But yet you also want to be Florida ownership, realize th those may not, you know, be congruent and you're going to have to set it up in a way that you allow for the outside experience to come in um, because, look, the Colorado experiment was one that had had failures along the way. Of course. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Regulated markets, it's clear, you know, the, the Connecticut's, the, the Florida's, the, the Maryland's, the Pennsylvania's, they don't want failure. You know, that's why they put bonds on. So when you screw up, they can, you know, charge you a million bucks to come in and clean up your mess. That's crazy. They don't want failure. And so well, you're creating an you, environment you of failure. Right. Because look at all the, you know, you know, repealing an application. I mean, that's that's pretty. Well, I mean, when you put, I think. significant. Yeah. Um, and it, it does come across as a failure. You know, missing a deadline that's statutory, October 3rd, missing that. That's a huge failure. So in their attempt to not have failures and not work with the true experts in the industry, they're 
just they're stepping cre- all but they're over creating themselves. failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you create restrictions, you create failure. I went through it. I left. I got chewed up and spit out in Colorado in the beginning when we went through all this. Yeah. I mean, we went through all these changes and you get to the point where you're just like, I give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and we were well financed. It wasn't like we went there with $100,000. We went there with, you know, a good amount of money to succeed and through all the changes and everything that they were coming up with, I mean, you get to the point where you're just like, have it. Right. You want it? Take it. Because we can't do it anymore. And I cut you off. I'm so sorry. Oh, you were going to say something. Oh, I'm old. About I the, forgot what I was going to say. I'm <laughs> sure. no, but you were talking about the failures as far as, um, uh, you know, our... Are uh, regulated industries like Florida, uh, Connecticut, we don't want failure. Right, so, so I, I feel bad. You know, the question is if you have a Florida centric and you have to be like Colorado until recent changes where you had to be a resident of Florida um, to be kind of involved in, in the entity, let's say, um, that's not a bad thing, but, but you can't also then say you have to have the experience because then what you do is you just you give the cons- quote-unquote consultants, and I hate that word because everybody's consultant in the space these days, <laughs> you know, the opportunity to come in and gut the local people and so it's got to be set up in a mm-hmm. way that you it's can a good point you can tap into some of the industry knowledge you can keep it florida centric and, and give you know business an opportunity to succeed small business right um and, and we're not there and no and we're it's, not even it's, there. it was driven by legislators that you know were, were lobbied by people that had no idea um and, and we have this patchwork and literally i, I know that because you know I, I worked with a lobbyist who asked for some type of particular language to go into a bill. And so I wrote out the language and they, they stuck it in this space, you know, and that's why it's this this this, this megalith that doesn't really work because everybody got their special interests involved. Yep. And and it doesn't make any sense. You look at places that do commissions. I'm a fan of the commission process. Performance you know, Mass- all the way. Well, right. Massachusetts and, and Michigan to some extent, you know, they, they the, the Cannabis Control Commission in Massachusetts. They put a bunch of people that kind of knew what they were doing. They worked through it. They thought it out. They took comment from all rounds, and they weren't constrained to make these decisions in a in a two month window that the legislature meets. Um, and then to give it to a department that can't do what the legislature told you to do because there's they don't have the staff, the money, and otherwise. And I'm not. I don't think the Department of Health has done a good job at all. I'm not. I'm not defending what they've done, but but the two sides. Don't talk. They don't see. They don't see and eye they to don't eye. They don't see eye to eye, and and they're given information that's irrelevant to the actual operation of a, of a cannabis related, hands on the plant touching business. I, I think it's ridiculous. It's they, and they just they 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 guard it by wanting not to make that mistake, and it's just a complete mess. And the people that are suffering at the end are the patients of Florida. Yeah, I mean that's, that's we voted result. for, but yet we're the ones suffering because they're making the decisions for us. Absolutely, and they're really not making good decisions in my end. Wow, David. Where can our viewers find more information about you, and how can they reach you? Um, I'm not sure if what I'm looking at on your screen. <laughs> that's that, exactly what they're really, that's exactly uh, what's on Facebook. That, that really long. I mean, then I guess this is a marketing, you know, kind of lesson. Um, if you're I would do say a website, so. Here you go. You're looking a, at it right a, there, live and personal. Well, do it. Do a much smaller website name because people can get David's you a lot easier. David's tips of the day. Get a smaller <laughs> URL. You heard it here first from David. 
That's uh, that's really the starting point. Uh, well, David Cutler, if you put David Cutler on Absolutely. any Google, you're definitely you're going to get him. Me, so. Well, but I, I'm I'm cleansed a little bit. You have like the traditional practice, and then then sometimes now pops up the cannabis side of things. And so if you go to like a regular, well, he's on you got to get a quick SEO company. He's my, yeah. about it. He's we, my we, Facebook we friend. We got he is. Do, do you know any? Oh, I think we're sitting a bunch around <laughs> of them right now. These guys, I get it. I get it. Selling the dream. Selling the dream, David. Thank you so much again for joining us on the show and educating us. And he's going to hang with us while we talk. To Dr. Uma. Yes. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do guys. you want me to go back to my corner? No. We're no. staying right here, David. You're we're not staying even right billing here. us. You stay right here. <laughs> what we're going to do, Canvas Life Radio. That's right. <laughs> Canvas Life Radio, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And in the meantime, we're going to try to get Dr. Uma on the line. Dr. Uma is going to educate you about how to talk to your healthcare provider about using cannabis. We will be right back. And this broadcast is brought to you by Green Roads World. We'll see you in a second. Shout out. Welcome back, Cannabis Life Radio. I'm Nasser El Mula, alongside Arby Barroso, Cheryl Murray Powell, our in-studio guest, David Kotler, and joining us to educate you how to talk to your healthcare uh, provider, uh, your doctor, about using cannabis. We have Dr. Uma, and if you don't know Dr. Uma, she's a, she is a specialist in the can- cannabis therapeutic space, and she has been... Uh, you know, educating the public about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system fr- to all, from all ages, from 18 to 100. And we actually have Dr. Uma. She's calling us live from Jamaica. Dr. Uma, can you hear us? Oh, that's why I she can. was saying that she, so, could, she didn't know uh, if she could join us. Here. Thank you for having me here on Cannabis Live Radio. Oh, we're glad to have you, Dr. Umu. You know, we, we have a love affair with you and yes, your, and your uh, uh, approach to cannabis, and we can't get enough of you. Thank you for um, making yourself available while you're in Jamaica. I'm going through Jamaica withdrawals. I haven't been back in about three weeks. I haven't been weeks. there in a bit. About three weeks, so that's that's too much for me, so I, I, I'll, I'll be there probably right after you leave. But thank you so much for, for what you do. We even spoke about you earlier. Every time we talk about um, cannabis being an exit drug, um, we're sure to reference that you were the first person that uh, we heard to really refer to it as uh, cannabis being an exit drug. So thank you for joining us today. I know you wanted to um, talk about educating patients and and helping patients um, have those discussions with their physicians. Um, What's what's the first step for a patient who thinks that cannabis might be helpful in their treatment? Well, you just hit it on the head. The first thing is the patient first even thinking about it And one of the biggest barriers in my mission is that we want to change the stigma related to cannabis and for everybody to know that there is an endocannabinoid system. And one of the basic things is that us clinicians were not taught this. And even now, we are, I think, 15% of the medical schools or healthcare providers are even being educated about it. So the first discussion is, understanding that this is about harm reduction and cannabis should be a first-line option and not the last resort is what I truly believe. And the steps that are happening is that there are states that are now having medical marijuana programs and, again, destigmatizing it and making it available. And the procedures differ from state to state. So once they understand that they are eligible based on the state criteria trying to find a healthcare provider that they can speak with to get certified is parts of this step. And I am here in Jamaica, St. Anne at Kaya, 
And today nice. is the first uh, recommendation that is being written here in Jamaica. And this is a momentous event here. And so we are making the changes, and this is a global issue. I want people to understand that all of us, all of us have an endocannabinoid system, and cannabis works with this beautiful system. And I truly believe it's not for everyone, but it should be a first-line option. And as you've mentioned, I have been using cannabis for my patients, and I've been clearly stating this is a exit drug. And I clearly say the word exit, meaning patients are getting off their medications and even being able to lower their oxys, their narcotics, their prescription medications, even alcohol. And I'm adding nicotine to my statement because we are seeing patients getting impacted by this in so many different ways. I, I want to just take a couple steps back. You mentioned that you're at Kaya, but I don't think our audience really grasps the magnitude of what's happening today in Jamaica. So you're at Kaya Herb House, which is the first dispensary, legal dispensary, opening in the country of Jamaica. Um, Mr. Vaswani, congratulations for for that victory. Um, and um, this this is this is huge for the whole uh, island. It's huge for the whole Caribbean. So pretty much in the entire Caribbean, this would be um, uh, besides the U.S. Um, areas such as Puerto Rico, I would think. Um, this is the first time that there's been a legal dispensary for cannabis. So what wh- yes. What is it like there? What's what's going on um, in uh, for the celebrations? So the celebration is happening right now. We are having the opening event, and they're actually calling me right now. But we are having... Um, I'm going to send you guys some pictures, and we'll Please. send some yeah, send, you guys definitely send so them. we can post it on the website. We'll, well make sure. And tell so we're accompanied. To- mm-hmm. No, I was going to say tell Kamani Marley that he needs to be on our show because he's supposed to be performing Absolutely. today or or present today. Absolutely. There's also people from. Um, we've got people from Na- Nature's Roots. Um, Danny Fontaine is here. We've got other people here, and we've got Juice, and they're ready to call me. But I will give you guys an update later on today, and we'll send some pictures. But sending you lots of love and blessings, and um, remember, reach one, teach ten, and yes. cannabis is the exit drug. And remember, hydrate before you medicate. Start out low and slow with food, and remember to journal. Love it. That's right. And our website is. TotalHealthCareTHC.com. Love it. Educate, empower, there, God embrace, bless. educate, empower. Bye, Uma. Bye, Dr. Right. Uma. Dr. Right. Uma, yes, thank you so much for joining us. God bless, guys. Thank you so much. We'll send you some pictures. She's a little Thanks busy. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Please send pictures. Listen, we she, got her. We she's got in her, Jamaica. We yes. Got her, Listen, we got her for a couple You're lucky seconds. lucky we got her, and she's in Jamaica. <laughs> she, uh, yes, I'm, I'm very jealous, but I'm, I'm glad she's there representing Cheryl's for like, us. Cheryl's like, I'm catching the next flight. Oh, I'm my out. God. Like, what time is it leaving Miami? <laughs> Judah, we're going to. <laughs> and, and, and Dr. Dr. Uma, correct me, She wasn't. didn't she win uh, an award at the Cannabis she Business did. Awards this she past did. year? What award? I think it was, was she... Best Educator. Um, I, I believe she was uh, for Best Education. Uh, she won the award, but we can confirm that. But uh, yes, at the Cannabis, Cannabis Business Award, she mm. did win the award. Well deserved. She's based in Massachusetts. Um, you know, her practice is pretty much transitioned from you know pharmaceuticals prescriptions to um, a cannabis-based um, 
uh, or uh, regimen, basically, it's a regimen. Absolutely. So, congratulations to her for doing that, and and all the lives that she has saved in doing that. She brings up a really good point about that that first conversation with your physician. Um, as we're we're traveling and we talk to patients, it's very tricky. It's very um, it's yeah. very difficult for for patients. It's a maze. It's a maze because you you don't know the person that you're facing is going to accept that. And yeah. the doctors are typically a lot of them are the old school doctors. Are not very acceptance to that. We've we noticed that at United Stands sure. when we went to Nova, they're yeah. not very acceptance. We don't have to write or recommend cannabis. I could write opiates or oxys all, all day, day long if I want to. Yep. Right. I don't have to write cannabis yep. or recommend cannabis or go through the time to educate myself on cannabis. But given these drugs, it's just so simple um, and uh, detrimental um, across the board. They don't realize from 19 to 28 years old is the biggest opiate epidemic right now we lose about 100 people every day then let's not talk about heroin and everything else that's been brought back due to this pill uh including when when florida when they say you can't smoke medicine i'm not going to advocate this is absolutely horrible to do but the fact is that you could smoke these pills and you could shoot these pills and that's why heroin's come back and you could snort these pills and do everything you want with these opiates but yet you can't go to your doctor and say, listen, I'd rather not do this. What do you think I could do in reference to the cannabis side? People are nervous. They're nervous to tell their doctor. They shouldn't be, They go though. to their doctor that's and the, they ask that one question the in the checkbox. Do you smoke? Do you not smoke? And usually people don't check I it I got off. asked that for my, for my life insurance policy, and I actually had a conversation with them yesterday. I'm like, you're asking me if I smoke cannabis. Right. But you're not asking me if I've taken all these other drugs, which I have. And I have no shame in saying that. That's why I'm here today. I'm, you know, they wouldn't ask me, hey, what other prescriptions were you on? Yeah. Right. Are, and, do you smoke cannabis? And I have a friend who actually specifically sells life insurance for cannabis users because they do get denied sometimes. They so, asked me that question. I got, yeah. I got lit yesterday. Yeah. I was like, why, you ain't you, why are you not asking me about everything else I could be on? Right. Why are you asking me about cannabis? Exactly. You know, I think, and I think Dr. Uma's initiative is that, you know, these doctors, they are the most trusted people. When you, and like, like we've had other guests on the show before, Thomas Trench came onto our show. His yes. doctor told him, here's the medicines you should be taking. And then his outcome was something that he didn't want. He, right. he wasn't relieved from he the medications he was taking. He wasn't leaving his house. And so the problem right now is, I think <laughs> See, doc- that's a problem. Crazy. Dr. Yeah. Uma's initiative is, you know, doctors are the most trusted people. They're yeah. the people that you go to for answers. So you've got to, one, be comfortable telling your doctor that you are considering it or that you've looked into it, number one. Right. But number two is the doctors themselves. Dr. Uma, I, I think her big initiative is that they're educated about the endocannabinoid system. That's my that's big huge. struggle is that these, you know, there's this system system out there that not a lot of people understand, Naturally including well, doctors I'll, who have to have so much schooling to even become a doctor. I'll give you an example. I, I connected with one of my sorority sisters this week. We haven't seen each other in a while, and I see her walking towards me, and she's walking with a cane. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, we're the same age, you know, went to college together and everything. And, um, you know, she's, she said, well, now I'm on cannabis. Because I tried everything else and my doctor recommended it um, and nothing was working. But then when she went to another physician, um, uh, because of course a gynecologist, whatever, um, they were like, oh, well, um, that's drugs and that you shouldn't be on that, you know. So there's like, you as a person, you have multiple doctors for different things, especially as a woman, you have multiple doctors for different things. And then one's giving you one bit of advice as far as like, again, 
it wasn't the first resort, which it should have been, but even as a last resort offering cannabis, and then you go to another doctor, and then they're going to treat you like an addict, or you get put in the hospital, they're going to treat or you, you like an addict. Or if you have a child and you show up at your child, they could cause, uh, you know, department. DCS. Yeah, DCS. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the problem, is, is people that are sick are not seeing one doctor. So they're going through they're going their to family their practice, that they've been their physician, for their trust, so on and so on and so on. And, and one of those people in that chain is going to be like, what are you doing? You know, you can't be doing this. This is cannabis. This is a drug. You know, so they're not all going to be on the same page. This is what we need to start, and this is what has to break that. They have a software system. They should be all talking to each other. We're all, you know what? We've had them on all these drugs. Now we're trying to recommend this. Are you guys all on board with this? Because we don't want this patient to be taken off or, God forbid, have a problem um, with their insurance, with, you know, with their children, with anything. You know, it is a big problem, and, it's, and, and it's, people don't want to be in the system either. You know, you don't want to be in a software system. Now, all of a sudden, for the next 10, 20, 30 years, you know, you go in there and you have a system that says, yeah, you're a smoker or you take medical cannabis. What did you have? I mean, this is I, I think it's crossing the line. And I think the doctors are the defense of this. And I think the young doctors are getting on board. They I are. really do. I, I re we talk to a lot of them and a lot of them are getting on board on, on what we're doing. I think it's the older generation that are kind of stuck in their ways. And to your point, uh, even the nurses and nurse practitioners are on board, but they can't recommend. No. So we have a lot. Of, we, I mean, we have a, a revolving door at our, in our facility. I mean, we've had doctors, police officers, firefighters, canine dogs, um, you know, attorneys, you know, RNs, LPNs, any type of profession. We have them in, you and know, with, sponsors in, list. and we're sponsored. Exactly. In our sponsors list. Yeah. So we, we understand that. We talk to them and they're like, listen, we can't we don't want to go against the doctors. You know, we don't want, can't lose our jobs. You know, we can't recommend this. It's working for me, but we don't talk about it. You know, my thing in any of these professions, if I have a customer or I have a client or I have a patient, no matter the person, if they are considering something, one, they've got to they've got to be willing to share that they're that they want to try something, right? So, as patients, we've got to be willing to share with whoever it is that we have we're interested in trying cannabis. And as my physician, I want them to look at every option and to see if that is actual possibility. It I should want, be a start. I want. I mean, if I I am if I'm telling my doctor, hey, I've been looking into cannabis, I'm thinking about taking it, I want my doctor to never say no. I want to know that my doctor went extreme lengths to figure it out and see but if it's actually don't. worth it. And they, they don't, don't, and that's the that's problem. That's the problem. They don't get educated enough in the system or learn about it. I was at a doctor's office a couple about a week and a half ago before we started doing all this traveling, and I took a friend of mine that's addicted to to to, to Roxy's and I wanted to get him off. So I finally, I think Cheryl was there. I said, get in my car. We're going to go see a friend of mine. Took him to this facility. Talked to the doctor. They, he, he's, God bless right now. He's doing well. But I asked him, and he goes, we weren't taught that. You know, I don't know anything about this system. Endocannabinoid system, no, about but the yesterday, anything. But yesterday, he called me, and he says he has a patient that he wants to recommend. And I told him, he goes, do I have to write a prescription? I'm like, absolutely not. He's like, are you kidding me? Because he's been on it now for about two weeks. Nice. So he sees what it's been able to do for him, and he, you know, it's 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 important. So now he recommend feels comfortable. CBD. Yes, recommend CBD. CBD. And then he says, if this is not the step, because it was a 17-year-old uh, child that that's still a child or under a minor, um, he says, I will now start recommending cannabis because now I see and I feel what this possibly could do. So it's it's a start with CBD with nutrition vitamins in your naturally occurring endocannabinoid system. So as mm -hmm. Dr. Uma says, start slow. 
and anything that you do because you got to right. see how it's going to make you feel. Yep. Every individual you know? is different. That's why the dosing conversations so so challenging and um, people are like, oh, what's the dose? And it's like, we can't really tell you that. We want you to work with a physician, but it depends. It depends on what your pain is, um, what your ailment is, what how much you weigh, your, your tolerance level. If you are already smoking cannabis, there's so many yep. factors so many that factors. contribute. And I think um, education's key. Education's key. And what when we see these patients, I mean, in this conversation, today we spoke to spoken about at least four patients that we are intimately involved in um, and that's why we push hard and that's why I'm going to segue to that um, Ninth Circuit case out in California is so important so I'm going to let um, David speak a little bit towards um, <laughs> that. You thought you were off the hook? No, you think you're sitting hook. here? No. We're, we're, you're <laughs> you're sitting here out. for a reason. <laughs> can I call Pat God? Let's put him on speaker. Bob and say, yeah. hey guys, can we just you know, have a chat real quick? Can I just say Bob did an amazing job? I, like, I watched that there. video all the time. She I was there. I was just like, I'll, I was texting like, this is amazing. Bob Hogan's going straight in with the, the real talk about Guns it's blazing. unfair to this brother and sister law enforcement agencies. They don't know what to do. Well, that's they the, think they're enforcing the law well, that they're brings not. It, but that brings <laughs> us back even to Nebraska when you had yeah. officers buying pain cream from this this facility or this uh, this store in Nebraska officers buying pain cream yeah. CBD pain cream CBD pain cream using mm-hmm. it using it enjoying it enjoying it coming back buying some more and then a couple weeks later they're investing one put handcuffs on you handcuffs on her so mm-hmm. they're they're going in there they're no, buying the they, pain cream they're using it but they, they didn't have anything to do with the investigation. So there was uh, people actually going to the store, police officers, getting buying it fully, fully closed. Like, in other words, a cop, you know, on, yeah, on, duty. You know, on duty, buying the product, using it. Getting relief. Getting relief. And, his, relief. and his department, in the meantime, is... is undercover. So, yes. is Investigating. To go and cuff them up two months later. <laughs> take, take the products out. So, so we told them, we're like, well, we need these officers. And they, they have them. Wow. So yeah. it's crazy to think that you had officers there using this product. And using it for relief for pain because they're sitting in the car, they're doing whatever they're doing, they're protecting you know the community, and then you have an undercover cop going in there doing an investigation while cops are buying product. Right, well, uh, that's crazy. It's, that's yeah, why David, I think that the, is absurd. The, it's man. wild. The Ninth it's Circuit, wild. you know, hopefully will provide a little bit of guidance and give a clear line. Right. And if you go to ten different attorneys on, hey, is CBD legal? Or, right. Yeah. Let's call it hemp oil with yeah. cannabinoid. Uh, you know, or you know, phytocannabinoid rich. Yeah. Let's change the vernacular perhaps a little bit. But but you're going to get nine different answers out of the ten, and maybe two are consistent. And that that's part of both from a patient and a business person perspective of the problem. And so on some level, hopefully, if anything, I want to talk about the, that that case kind of from a thousand foot view. It, yes. It, it will at least give some line for people to understand where do we fall in this federally. I mean, think on a state by state basis, we still have issues. Oh, absolutely, right. we know. <laughs> right. I mean, you look at look, you know, what happened in Tennessee, your case in Nebraska. You look at a place like Missouri, who you know has a more specific law that says, hey, yes, it's not illegal, but but it has to come from one of our two licensed producers. And so, mm-hmm. it, hopefully, out of all of this, this case will give a little more bright line definition of where the legality stands and, mm-hmm. and, and then when people come to see us we're not saying well Oops. look it's gray it's a gray area you know and right and the doctors who who are carrying green roads products yeah. perhaps um or the health and wellness side of things are going to have that level of comfort they need to have to do mm-hmm. what they feel is right for their patients you but mentioned don't, tennessee don't you see, but I'm wait sorry. a minute but don't you see there's a problem with that I mean, don't you see that they're writing prescriptions? 
and they're literally having people addicted and dying under their care, but yet they're terrified of set, giving a product that's literally a vitamin or nutrition. I mean, it's I, see a, I see I mean, a it, big it really, freaking problem right, it's, with it's, that. It's back assword, and and the reality is, it, it just it, it's counterintuitive as mm-hmm. the way it should be, and, and they're caught up in the pharmaceutical model because that's where. Yep. I mean, look, they a doc. My dad's a physician. Yeah, they step into, although an older one, and so things have changed. But you know, they step into medical school, and the first thing they're getting is a bag with a pharmacy uh, yep. with a pharmaceutical product, you know, drug name on it, and that's the way they're they're right. taught. And and they're so, you know, it's not back in the days of of natural paths and natural healing and what works for the body. And so, it, we it really is counterintuitive. To we got to get back to that. to get back to that. Um, yeah, so t- you mentioned Tennessee. You know, you said what's happening in Tennessee. So let's talk about what's happening in Tennessee. What happened? Another well, so, Paul Star. Another Paul Star. Yeah, <laughs> <Que> <laughs> yeah we, we know that in a particular county there, I guess there were 23 or 28 yeah, 23, um, yeah. different different retailers that literally you know, had their doors shut, their products. And the seized, campaign was called what? And Candy Tell, Operation Candy, Candy Crush. Crush. Candy well, Crush. And listen, it, I mean, who was playing Candy Crush? They were probably on the app when and, they came up with that Just name. a little bit of arrogance there. <laughs> you know, it, it, it goes hand in hand with how do you market things. I mean, part of how to mitigate your risk is you get a call the other day about somebody who wants to sell hemp flour. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't Terrified know if you guys are... Uh, nope. Right. I don't want to touch you with a 10-foot pole. just trouble. I mean, you know, because you're getting arrested first and ask questions later. Yep. There's right. no way around that Right, one. and you don't undo an arrest. That's right. right what everybody thinks. Once right. you're in the system, you're not you coming out of the system, system, expungement or otherwise. Yeah. And so, right. you know, marketing on the candy side, you're, they're going to arrest first, ask questions later, and that's exactly what they did. And, you know, when you saw the district attorney and all the other yahoos up in, in this they got in They got questioned really good, though. Who, who really didn't do their homework before going in. It, it you know, and then they looked up definitions and applied, looked at statutes and kind of learned the law after the fact. Right. Um, but uh, they, all they of it went done, but the, da- you know, the, the cat's done. out of the back. The damage is done. The damage is done. And that's what the DEA is proposing. If you listen, watch that YouTube video from the Hemp Industries versus USDA case from um, February 15th, that's what they're saying. Well, you can always challenge it. It's so costly. It's so unfair. It Once you're cheap. in the system, you can't get out of the system. Like you said, um, it's, it's a heavy burden. Uh, to place on the public, um, so I, I just wanted to get your perspective on on that and where. where so you what think ended we're up happening? So we could clear this up. They oh, yeah. dropped the case, they, yes. right? So they dropped, they the, dropped the, the Tennessee case. candy crush. The charges crush. were dismissed. Everything was, but we people, were headed there. We were headed there on the 18th and 19th for that hearing uh, specifically. So I mean, it, it just makes no sense. You hurt the people. You hurt their business. You tarnish them, making them seem like they're drug dealers. You know, and close their stores and barricade them. You know, where they can't do business. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, you know what? We were wrong. You know, yeah. let's let's just go give it back to you guys, and you guys are all right. And, and you mentioned it earlier. I mean, if we're giving out, you know, I guess this is the legal healthcare and business section. <laughs> so, and, it and, is and, now. You know, giving out free legal advice. It, it 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 shows the importance of you know having your Manila folder of certificates of origin, yep. yes. definitions, legal pins and pinnings if you get them, independent lab testing, yep. and have it sitting there. And, and when they walk in the door, say, "Hey, here you here go." You go. Right. You know, and, and is that enough to stop it? It may not be, but it's certainly a lot better than uh, uh, we uh, had, we did that. I mean, we have a certified certificate. You've provided us with paperwork, Mr. David Kotler. Thank you very much. Shil Murray Powell's provided us with paperwork. Berger and Singerman's provided us with paperwork. So we have that vanilla folder full of documentation of what we do and how we do it specifically because we know that when they do come in, we've answered questions. We've gotten on the phone with you know sheriff's offices and said, where's your fax? What's your email? We'll send it right over and they back away. They, right. they, t- they typically mm-hmm. back away. But when you have such 
an organized 23-store raid. That's not cheap. That takes a lot of money, a lot of manpower, a lot of law enforcement to go and raid 23 locations at one time to shut their doors, go through the right. county, go through the judges, have the, you know, whatever, wherever, you know, county they were at. Well, I think it was Rutherford, Rutherford County. Rutherford County. Full. Jail system full. And having to go through all this, people in jail, having to set bonds. You know, to me, that's criminal. Look, I, I, we talked earlier. I sat on that side of the aisle. You know, I oversaw those type of things. And to me, it's a complete waste of resources. Thousand percent. It, it, it just, come on. I mean, you know, there's got to be more important stuff going on in that jurisdiction. I think there's plenty of rapists out there and people shooting people and so other right. million things going on yeah. with crystal meth, yeah, heroin, I, I, you know, all I these other things. Yeah. I don't get it. And that we're hoping the Ninth Circuit, with that bright line rule that you that you referenced earlier, will eliminate this and will nudge, not nudge, will require and mandate that the DEA put clear information on their website so these law enforcement agencies can know straight, like it should be on the homepage, it's legal. You should not be arresting people and seizing their product if they have these, you know, if they source from here or, you know, th this is this is what the components of what, what, what parts of the plant that they're using, et cetera. And so this is the amount of THC um, or there's no THC. You should not. It should be that clear. You should not be seizing product. You should not be arresting people. Well, I don't think so the DEA is no doing confusing. that. The problem confusion. is, is that the DEA is not doing that. We've yeah. spoken. We're not afraid. We, we've spoken to them. We're not afraid yeah. to ask them questions. They are the law. They are are the people that we need to ask the questions to mm -hmm. it's the rogue county in our country that are taking but you know upon their shoulders to do hey you know what today we're going to go and do this right and they're saying they're relying on the dea's website for their guidance but the guidance it's is clear that i agree i agree with that well part. and the guidance is contradictory i mean if you look yeah. at the march 4th 2017 um clarification letter mm -hmm. that tried to clarify the rule that they enacted that was 16, referenced in the case, that was case by the dea you know that yeah. that but but at least it's a flow chart, right or wrong, and so you know they they because you have different departments and you have different policy through administration, they're all over the place, and so look, knock on wood, hopefully this will do the trick. Yes, we'll get a we're very encouraged. Rolling. I got to tell you, it may affect some in the industry in, in a negative way because there are certain you know depending on where somebody's sourcing your hemp from. Right. Um, and, so, and the processes, look, there, there's some folks that probably should be nervous about what might come out of that. Yeah. They should um, be. And I think, and I think, and I think, excluded, of course. Yeah. I, and I think they should be because the fact is, is that I've, I'm looking at it as a vape industry. The vape industry blew up. Everybody was making all different types of juices and then regulations came down and they gave people enough time to make the to adjustments comply. on their comply yeah. and go through those regulations. I agree that for the same thing in our industry because we don't know where everything's being made of. We know there's just synthetic cannabidiols out there that are being created that are not from the plant. You know, and that's where pharma's hanging their hat. Oh, we can make a better synthetic THC product than the actual plant itself. Same thing with the CBD side. I mean, there is certain cannabidiols that are synthetics that are going to get you high, that could get kids high, that could do a damage to, 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 your not, to, to basically your receptors. So I think it should be regulated. I think there should be some type of regulations that come down of where you're getting your plant from, how you're making the products, you know, making sure that it gets third-party tested, and go through all the hurdles that we've gone through uh, to make sure that the product that you're consuming is clean and legit. No, I couldn't I agree more. I couldn't agree more. And when we return, when we return, Cannabis Life Radio, stay tuned because the last part of our show is for you. We're going to be answering questions from Ronald Frazier, uh, Josh 
Ovenden, Ovengen, Josh Ovenden. We got some questions from our audience. Uh, we will also take any callers that are interested. If you're interested in calling in, please comment below that you're interested in calling in and asking any of us questions uh, that are cannabis related. And also, when we come back, giveaway Nasser is here to play. And I'm here with $500. $500 of CBD when we come back. So make sure, place your email address in the comments, place your questions in the comments, and we'll see you here when we return on Cannabis Life Radio. Welcome back, Cannabis Life Radio. This is Nasser El Mula, joined alongside Arby Barroso, Cheryl Murray Powell, David Kotler. And it's the end of our segment. It's the end of our segment. And so what I want to do, some quick reminders for the end of our segment. Uh, we are having a $500 CBD giveaway. What? $500 worth nice. of CBD That's giveaways. giveaway Nasser for you. Giveaway Nasser is here. Giveaway Nasser is here for your $500 worth of CBD. Here's how you win. All you've got to do is DM us your email address. If you DM us your email address, we will be sending out the giveaway winner via email. And um, that's it. Five hundred dollars. I want to shout out somebody from Romania, though. Thanks for uh, for paying uh, listening to us. I can't pronounce this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shatter this thing. Lulani Esperava uh, from Romania. So that's that's pretty cool. Thanks for joining us. Romania, that's far wow, away. Wow, wow, going global. We are. We're going global. We are global. Uh, so please DM us your email address if you want to be in the five hundred dollars CBD giveaway. Also, also, we're going to be answering some questions in our comments. We had a couple questions from Ronald. We have a couple questions from some of you guys. We're going to answer those here in a second as well. But before we do so, I think that we have Nelson on the line. Cheryl, yes, tell us a little bit I'm about Nelson. Excited. Is Nelson on the line? Nelson's on the line. Nelson Ramirez, she, he's a friend of mine out from out in Vegas. Um, let me go through all his credentials. He is a very creative person. He's the founder and creative director of Morning Coffee Productions, so he has a, a podcast that's very popular. Um, co-founder of the Women of Cannabis, recognizing women in cannabis. They're having an event this Thursday. I will be uh, traveling Thursday morning to be out there with him and flying back that, that night. Uh, producer and director of the Women of Cannabis documentary, so I'm honored to have been selected to be a part of that. And I met Nelson through my girl Shanibis when she invited me out to Vegas. And uh, that's the same time I met um, veteran Christina Alfonso Z. So the, that's my Vegas family, and I'm looking forward to seeing them this week. So uh, is Nelson on though? I think Nelson's on Yeah. There. Hey, How Nelson! That's an intro right there. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my brethren. That's my brethren. Thank brethren. you so much. I am delighted to be with you guys this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So tell us about how you got involved with the women of cannabis and, and why you chose to recognize uh, that segment of the industry. Yeah, so um, I first started working on cannabis roughly right, right around 2015 um, while working with a veterans nonprofit organization called For God Not Gone. I'm a veteran, so uh, I like to give back to the community. Thank you for your service. Them, while working with them, I, um, I got involved in the cannabis industry. Um, and while working in the cannabis industry, I, I met and I started working with a ton of amazing women who totally inspired me. Um, and during that time, it was when I decided that I, I had to make a story out of it. I wanted to make a documentary about the women in cannabis. So fast forward to the end of 2017, I started talking to Christina, uh, who is also a veteran, and uh, she mentioned that there was a few women locally here in Vegas who um, were looking for 
a platform for women. Um, and so while talking to them is when I realized that a lot of women feel that they don't have a platform in the industry for women's issues, women's products, women, anything related to women. And so that's when the Women in Cannabis was born. Um, and is what your, we're doing now... I was going to say, is, um, is your co-founder Elise? Um, yeah, so the co-founders are uh, myself, Elise Phoenix, and Christina Alfonso Zaire. Excellent. Um, we got together. Both of them are firecrackers in Vegas, and they are pioneers, and they're trailblazers, and they um, are really, really involved in the, in the community, and they are with us because they they have a lot of knowledge, and they are um, they're educators, and we really need this platform to help educate not only women, but anyone about the cannabis, its benefits. Um, but really, uh, I got together with them because they felt they needed a platform uh, to express these things. Um, and so uh, we created the Women in Cannabis. Uh, it has, uh, over the last couple of months, it really has snowballed and we've gotten a lot of traction and a lot of uh, involvement in the community. Um, and one of the events that we're having on the 15th show and we can come down and, and see us is uh, we have a, a long list of people that are waiting to give us their stories. Um, and so, you know, the fact that we have such a caring community, uh, not only in Vegas, but in the, in the cannabis community all over the country, um, you know, they're making my job easier by giving me these amazing stories that, that we then can share with the rest of the world and let everybody know um, what the benefits of cannabis really are, um, Beautiful. right from the horse's mouth. Well, I, I'm, um, I'm super amped about um, being out there on Thursday. Now, when we spoke and you shared your vision, that's why I got super just excited, amped, psyched about it. You said, you know, you were like, do you, do you know the Humans of New York series and how they approach things? You know, we're going to do right. something similar. So can you share a little bit of your vision um, for this documentary and, and some of the activities you have planned for Thursday? Yeah, so, so basically what, what we're doing is we're gathering uh, stories, personal stories about women and how cannabis has uh, changed their life, uh, improved their quality of life. Um, and I really enjoy the, the, the Humans of New York series where, um, you know, you have stories about people in New York. I wanted to do something similar about uh, sharing stories about the women in the cannabis industry. Um so what we're doing now, uh, we've set up a couple of uh, social media platforms. Our Facebook is at the Women of Cannabis and Instagram at the Women of Cannabis. Uh, what we're doing is we're sharing uh, short 60-second clips um, of the stories. And then eventually, once we have a little bit of a budget, uh, I'll be editing the full stories uh, and putting them on the website. And again, this is an ongoing uh, process. We don't even have a, uh, a website yet. We do have a domain, but no website. But again, this is this is really new. Yeah. Um, but we are making a lot of. Uh, you got to start somewhere. You do. I mean, it all to, starts um, from that vision, and you got to start somewhere for sure. So. And people, right. uh, you know, our listeners are familiar with your work, um, even though they don't realize it. So tell us about how you were involved with the Green Heart um, Green Heart Movement Day for the uh, Jeff Sessions lawsuit. Yeah, so uh, one day I'm, I'm doing my thing and I get a call from Christina 
and she's like, uh, we need you. We need <laughs> you right now. And and she went on to explain, because, you know, I knew very little about, about the lawsuit, and then she brought me up to speed. And she's like, we need, we need your help in creating something to enhance the movement. And so, uh, you know, within 24 hours, I had, I had a, uh, you know, th- th- this is why I love working in the industry is because I, I get, I get calls like this from people who really inspire me and that just gets me going. So within 24 mm-hmm. hours, I, w- I was able to draw up a little, uh, a rough of a logo for the Green Heart Movement. And, uh, I got some really good feedback. I made a couple of tweaks and within two days we had a final logo for the Green Heart Movement and, uh. So that that's to. the logo, the logo with the heart, and then the dog tags with the American flag on it that we've seen Correct. all over our social media, um, as far as the Green Heart Movement Day, and you created right. that. Well, yeah, thank you yeah. for for that contribution. Oh, yeah, welcome. It's my pleasure to be, you know, just to be a part of uh, of this movement. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you on Thursday. Um, uh, tell, really quickly, tell us about your morning coffee uh, production. Some of the um, activity you have flowing through there in the industry. Okay, so um, um, I started morning coffee productions in 2015. End of 2015. Um, my background is in construction, but in Vegas, when uh, the the economy, economy tanked, 20, 2008 through 2010. Um, I lost everything. I lost job. I lost my house. Uh, I lost. But I was able, because I'm a veteran, I was able to go back to school, uh, learn a whole new craft, and dive right in to right after that. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be able to, to start a company um, and start working in the cannabis industry. So what I've got going on, I am also, in addition to the Women of Cannabis, I am producing a a web show called the uh, Cannabis and Coffee, uh, and I do um, I do video production, photography, and graphic design as well uh, in and out of the cannabis industry. And I work with uh, a lot of local brands, dispensaries, uh, and a lot of people in the industry who are making a difference. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm just really, really glad to be able to work with some of the people that are making a difference. Fantastic. Not only in Vegas, you know now. Uh, all over the country. Beautiful. Well, um, Arby's going to be out in Vegas before I get there, so I'm going to make sure that you guys can connect. <laughs> we will be at ASD, yeah. guys. Yeah. And we'll be, Nelson, we thank we you will. so much for joining us. We love uh, you know meeting and working with other people that are supporting the same cause, which is educating people about Lord. cannabis, and then specifically yeah. your you know your organization, uh, how to reach the women of the cannabis organization. It's important, so, very important. Thank you, Nelson, for joining us. Thank you so we'll much, definitely Nelson. be at ASD in Vegas uh, on Monday. Great. Yeah, I'll get you thank guys you connected. So Yes, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Nelson. We'll talk to you soon. See you Thursday. All right, take care. Take it easy. Bye. Cannabis Life Radio. They've got some, our audience, that was, uh, you know, Nelson, thank you again if you're still watching. Uh, We have some other listeners, though, to kind of wrap up our show. We got some listeners that got some questions. I got some work to do. Okay, I know you do. I know you do. (laughs) Some of our listeners, some of our listeners. We're paying two attorneys. Oh, yeah, this bill's bill's going to be way too expensive. Uh, I've got a couple, I've got a couple questions here, actually. Uh, Ronald Frazier. Ronald yeah, Frazier. He's been, he's been Ronald, active today. I see some comments from him. We really appreciate all the activity on our live feed. Let me see what Ronald Frazier's question was. Ronald Frazier. He's even putting now with a big question mark on there. 
Ronald Frazier. Cheryl, do you think the feds will finally take cannabis off the list of federal illegal substances? So I, I always like to make the distinction between um, uh, hemp-derived CBD, hemp-derived products, and the marijuana space. So um, what we're you know tracking right now on the um, hemp side is the um, House Bill 3530. Um, it's getting a lot of support. Um, I've, I, there was a really good article that I posted earlier this morning, like three this morning, um, about 3530 and what we're hoping to take place. So um, as, as Arby said earlier, the momentum's already there. We're not going backwards. I absolutely think there will be um, a more clear guidance um, from Congress that CBD and hemp is legal, as they intended originally to make it legalized in 2014. Um, and and when when there are discussions about um, you know the DEA and and this case happening in San Francisco with the U.S. with the um, Ninth Circuit, the Congress people had an open letter to the DEA saying, "Listen, we wanted it. We made it illegal. We made it legal in 2014 with the Farm Bill, Section 7606. That was our legislative intent." So there shouldn't be any confusion. So yes, we are get going in the direction where, from the hemp side, um, things are as they should have been in 2014, and everyone's on the same page that hemp is legal, CBD is legal, as long as it falls into that criteria of uh, industrial hemp of less than 0.3%. Now on the marijuana side, um, the legalization, there are a number of uh, bills that have been proposed, the Cory Jones, uh, Cory Booker um, Marijuana Justice Act, uh, we support that, um, MCBA supports that, Ma Minorities for Medical Marijuana supports that, uh, cannabis, um, the uh, cannabis uh, coalition uh, out of New York, they support that. So um, it is gaining in support. Um, I do think we're looking at you know, by 2020, a legal space for, for marijuana on a federal level at, a, at, a, at the latest. Um, but I also want to take advantage of, and I say take advantage of, and I mean that of David I Kotler know. being here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and get his opinion on um, where, when he thinks marijuana will be legal, if he agrees with me that we're looking at probably about 2020. I mean, it certainly won't be at a midterm period. I, I think, frankly, I... The, you know, with the political climate, I think we'll see probably um, more Democrats coming into to office, yeah. and, and that will be the time that anything's going to happen. I also think that as more states come online, and, and we see states like Connecticut who have descheduled on a local level and are supporting research, Pennsylvania is no difference with, uh, with what Jefferson has done. I think there will be data to support that change. And so 2020, I mean, look, that could be optimistic, mm -hmm. but, but it's moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, and I think they'll have, you know, empirical data to, to then back that up. Um, the question is, what's it, does it get descheduled or rescheduled? Descheduled. And, you got to go for you know, that one, one really doesn't help you. And so you, you got to be careful. You might get that's what true. you ask for. And, and, and that's a problem. You might ask for yeah. rescheduling, excellent, but excellent, you don't want that. Point. You cannot um, ask for rescheduling. So that, that's kind of my over. take on it. Yeah. Okay. Pam, Pam Arbogast, uh, she starts hey, her Pam. question off. She says, I hope this question isn't too off the wall or too much. No such thing. Where does Green Road source their CBD from? 
do they extract their own? What parts of the plant are they using? And is it strictly isolate? Ooh, that's so an ancient, cu- ancient Chinese secret. That's deep. Ancient my, it sounds secret. like due to my first, my fifth, is that the fifth? I plead Dude, the fifth. I'll make it easy <laughs> well, for you. As, thank you. as an attorney that serviced you guys in the past, I'd, I'd advise you against uh, disclosing so, trade uh, secrets. Uh, under, Sorry, under my, <laughs> under my attorney's guide, but guidance. We will tell you that it's from stock and stems as legally allowed. So it is legal. And we have another viewer, uh, and I didn't catch the name, but they were asking a question specifically for David Kotler, uh, and he wanted to know, he wanted to know, uh, he wanted re-clarification that you used to be a practicing attorney that essentially put people away for using cannabis, and now you're helping people migrate a business into cannabis. They wanted clarification on that, and then also, when did that perspective change? Like, why that change for David? Um, that is accurate. I mean, I, I was a prosecutor. Part of my function was both to, to prosecute misdemeanor and felony level cases that uh, dealt with, with cannabis, certainly, um, and oversaw prosecutors who did the same. Um, that, I mean, look, I, I think philosophically, I've always been open to people using cannabis, both for medicinal or, or recreational reasons, frankly, or adult use reasons. Um, I enforced the law and did what was legal when that was my job, mm-hmm. um, which was a bit of a dilemma for me and, and probably used discretion whenever possible. Um, I mean, luckily in Miami-Dade County, we were able <laughs> There's to a use lot of discretion. discretion more so than, and I, and I couldn't have done that function in many other places. Um, and then the, the answer is yes. I, I, you know, for me and my practice as it started four and a half years ago, it was really from a blue suit perspective. And so part of that was translating, you know, what was coming from guys in jeans and, and, you know, wide brim hats who were digging in the dirt and translating some of that to people in suits making decisions and, and trying to bridge the gap between those two sides of the equation. Um, but, but so to answer the question, yes. And then where I focused within my practice, look, I'm not an advocate. I'm not holding a sign. I'm not, you know, walking patients in into places. Uh, my job, to some extent within the space, has been to to translate and to help people utilize them from a business and, and practitioner standpoint and, and help them in regulated markets so they can set up good things um, and, and, you know, kind of transition, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's helping folks... Um, you know, be in the business in regulated markets and not break the law. Um, and, and compliance is so huge. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to become even more huge in this industry. Um, and that's kind of what a, my focus has been. And I just want to add to that, uh, you know, from a lawyer perspective, uh, you can't beat that experience you get in the prosecutor's uh, office from a litigation perspective. You want uh, people in the industry who were former prosecutors because they have all that trial experience from those cases after cases after cases. I make it clear for anyone who comes and talks to me, I am not a litigator. I do not go to court. I do not get put on a suit. <laughs> I do not wake earl- up early enough to um, be a litigator. So, um, you know, we, we're very very grateful because uh, I am probably one of the sign holder, you know, walking patients type of attorneys in the business. But we absolutely need um, the people with the experience from the prosecutor's percent. office. So it, the industry would be nowhere if we didn't have that experience. Well, we need their. Vi- we need to see where they were, where, where you know, what shoes were they wearing and how yeah, they went about it, and how they are the best ones who can defend something like this. So I, right. I appreciate it, David, for first for joining us today and taking the time on a Saturday to do so. Um, I think we could end the show on that. I, I got some work to do. 
Let's get to work. Cannabis Life Radio. Thank you again, David, for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Uma, for joining us. Thank you, Nelson Ramirez, for joining us. Alongside Arby Barroso, Cheryl Murray Powell. Who won? Uh, You're going to have to find out via email. Via email. $500 worth of CBD. Guys, please DM us your email address, and we are going to be sending the winner of the $500 CBD via email. So please DM us that email address, and we'll be getting it out later today. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to Cannabis Life Radio, brought to you by Green Roads World. We'll see you next time.